National Cultural Historical Park is located in the southwest portion of the country in the northwestern part of the state of New Mexico. It is an amazing place. Good friend told me about it, um, said that the road leading in there is kind of, um, it's rough to get in there. And uh, that was 15 years before I went, and guess what? They made no road improvements. When you drove in the 20 miles into Chaco, there's no gas in there, and you will do damage to your vehicle. Um, but it's one of the most amazing places to go, because there in that canyon, between 850 and 1250 CE, there lived a civilization. That's 300 years before Martin Luther comes on the scene in Europe. The people there left the canyon, but before they built a whole lot of things. They built entire cities and storage rooms and ceremonial kivas. They gathered there to store their crops, to worship their gods. And today, you can walk through the very same ruins. There we are at Pueblo Bonito. It's the largest of the, the um, complexes in the canyon. And it is absolutely amazing. You walk through this, this it's about a mile of, of, of trail that wanders through. And there are times when you have to crouch down to get through the doorways. And you can walk through. Today, everything opens up to the sky. But of course, at one point in the past, there were roofs, there were coverings over most of these, these uh, rooms. And so you were walking from one room to another, these dimly writ rooms that had all sorts of things stored there for ceremonies. And the people would come and gather there. An amazing place, truly, truly is. When you have to crouch down to get through these tiny little gates, I'm reminded of this morning's gospel. A gospel that talks about Jesus being a gate or a doorway. A way to go through to something else. You might have noticed at the beginning of today's gospel, it's a continuation of sorts. And then he said to them... Um, this is a continuation of a conversation that begins in the ninth chapter of John's gospel. And Jesus here is not talking to his disciples. No, he is talking to the Pharisees. This was a group of religious leaders of the time that had a very narrow understanding, a very narrow understanding of, um, there's a picture of the, the, the gate, the door, very narrow understanding of God and access to God, what made you holy, how you could approach God's presence. The Pharisees interpreted the law of Moses in a very narrow way, where only the very pure, the very um, holy of people had any kind of access. The walls were, were thick. Um, 
and the gate was so, so very narrow. Many people, many, many people were excluded in their vision of what God's kingdom looks like. Just before, in that ninth chapter, we have an encounter with the Pharisees and a man that is born blind. The blind, the lame, anyone with any kind of physical ailment was not seen as holy enough or worthy enough to be in the presence of God. And so they were excluded. They were pushed to the outskirts of the time. The Pharisees had a very narrow, a very small vision of who could be in God's presence. And they defended that with the words of Scripture. Well, then along comes Jesus. Along comes Jesus. And Jesus, instead of interpreting the law through this very narrow, um, limited, exclusive vision, interprets it through agape, or God's divine love. There is a gate to be sure, and there is a boundary to the community and access to God, but that boundary is characterized by an openness. It is characterized by a welcome to those who are on the outskirts. Jesus heals the blind man so that we might see, that we might understand that God's grace and God's love are for all, and especially those who have been pushed to the side by the religious Pharisees. Inclusion and hospitality characterize the gate of Christ, the gate to God's kingdom and love. This picture here shows an interesting doorway. Most of the passageways at Pueblo Bonito and the rest of them throughout Chaco Canyon are these narrow little doors that you would go through. But almost in the middle of this large Pueblos, in the middle of this large complex, there's this door that looks like a giant T. It's wide at the top and then it kind of juts in at the bottom. Archaeologists have a couple theories as to what that might be, why that strange shape in that place. One of the theories is that somehow this is a design element that meant something to these ancient peoples because you see it elsewhere and in some strange places, not only used indoors but sometimes in windows and sometimes in, in, in the structures themselves, you see this strange shape. Did it mean something to the people? We don't know. Was this an entranceway to an outside courtyard? Again, remember, there's no roofs on any of the structures these days, um, but some of them opened to the sky. Was this a way to enter into a courtyard area where people would be gathering common space? Were these seats that people could sit on as they kind of waited to go into this, this common space? I was wondering about firewood. 
when I was walking through this, you know, if you had your hands filled with something like firewood, you, you, you would have a hard time getting through these tiny little spaces. It allows you to be open. So let's return to the gospel here. In this space, Jesus calls us to follow through a gate, through God's gate of love, invites us to be open, to enter with our hands wide open, to carry that love and that grace, that forgiveness, that mercy, that agape beyond ourselves, beyond these rooms, out into the common space of our neighborhood, out into the world that surrounds, to share God's love with others, with hands that are full and hearts that are, are full with generosity. This is a path that Jesus talks about of abundant life. If you want life to be full and rich and abundant, Christ invites us into an openness, an openness that allows that love to be shared, allows it to be shared in a way that is good, not only for us, but for others. But you know, sometimes that's really hard to do, isn't it? It's really hard to share the love of God in such a way in a world that's filled of judgments, in a world that's filled with Pharisees, both outside there, inside this room, and inside our hearts. It gets really hard to enter through the gate of God's love when things around us, and maybe within those experiences of the past, have kind of limited our capacity to love. And so the shepherd picks us up. The image doesn't stop with Jesus just being the gate through which we go and access God's grace, through which we go and participate in God's kingdom. No, Jesus also is the shepherd who carries us when we are simply unable to go in and out of that gate. The gate is wide because Jesus' arms are wider still, holding us and holding others, carrying us into the grace, the love, the presence of God. That's why this is an Easter story. It's an Easter story because what it talks about is the new life that God provides to us. A life that is abundant, a life that is filled with grace and love and mercy, a life that even as we stumble, even as we continue to be narrow-minded and, and, and crouch down in fear, a life that is resurrected again and again and again. Jesus lifts us up by the love of God, 
with hands that are marked by nails. Because Christ goes the ultimate distance for us. Because God in Christ sacrifices his own life. And in that sacrifice, we are invited into life that goes right to the heart of the challenges, right to the heart of the suffering of this world, and again presents and clings to God's love and grace. So let us be an Easter people that walks in and out, that walks through the gate of God's love that is carried by the loving arms of Christ. Thanks be to God for resurrection again and again. Amen.